Well, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are a God who sends. That for us to anticipate and look forward to remembering your Son coming, we thank you that uh, before the foundation of the earth was laid, you had a plan. And that plan was to bring us into a relationship with you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be together here today. We thank you for what we've already celebrated uh, as your people here in Emporia. And we ask you to speak to us this morning. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You all may be seated. Well, welcome to Christmas. I tell you what, I was so encouraged, Garen, to talk to me about doing the Advent wreath, and I am so glad that the next four Sundays, we're just going to have a little bit of that time in our time together to celebrate the coming of our Lord. I don't know about you, but uh, there's an awful lot going on in our lives. Priscilla's not with me today. She wasn't feeling good. We've been in Atlanta. Uh, took off last Monday. Hey, that was a crazy blizzard, wasn't it? And I do want you to know that uh, Kansas City Airport was all they said it was. It was bad and all that, but we were able to get off to Atlanta. And what I've been doing was once a year, the, the folks around the states, there's 43 of us, that get together to talk about evangelism. And what can we do to better proclaim, better talk about, better present the good news that we're celebrating this Christmas season? And church family, I want you to know, I'm glad I'm here today. Because one, to, I don't see where, there he is, right? to have Matt come up here and just talk about that process of what's going on in his heart of seeing, did you, I hope you caught it. Here's what I caught, what he said. He said, I get a chance to talk to school, and what do you tell a school, a secular school? Hey, can I talk about my faith? And for him to say, because God, God, he's a part of my life, and I receive something from him, I want to give. And so church family, I want you to know that's what the Advent's all about. It's about us preparing ourselves for the reality that God gave. It doesn't start with us, it starts with him. And then as we receive all that we give from Him, from eternal life to a knowledge of Him with us in the midst of all that we face in our day-to-day world, as we receive His presence, then we celebrate that by wanting to give. And so, what a great way. I'm at an evangelism conference where we talk about making Him known, and I come home, and I'm here in Emporia, and I hear how we're doing this as a church right here in Emporia with all the different ministries, but for sure with Handlebars of Hope. And then we hear today that uh, Matt's sensing, what can I do in Mexico to help folks with a drug addiction problem to come out and all that? Just what a great story of what one family, what our church behind him, what our church around him, in one place and in many other ways, we as a church family want to give what we've received. This morning as I was trying to get all wired up, I uh, was in a place where Casey walked in, and I don't, I know he's in here somewhere. Casey, you and your little wife are somewhere. There they are. I, I said, I'd like to recognize, you know, Casey and Barb, right? Casey and Barb are headed this last Sunday. The last Sunday I get to see them. They're going to be gone for a couple of months, getting ready to go back overseas and do the very same thing that Matt's talking about. And so church, 
It's one great thing to gather together and celebrate who we have in Christ, but it's also another really, really good thing to support people who sense that God wants to take this message and go somewhere. And so, y'all, it's been good to have you here, and we do. I'm going to pray in just a second, but I want to pray over you. I want to pray over Matt about what the future holds. And so, this morning, for the time we have together, I want, I want us to go to the book of 1 Peter. And I'm going to talk about what some of you would say is an Easter message. But we can't have Easter until we have Christmas. And so I want us to hear what Peter has to say to us about hope. And so as we think about the coming of the Lord, the hope that we have in Him is what I want us to look at today. So I want to ask you to stand. And guess what? I think it's short enough. We're we're going to read this one together. I'm tired of reading over you. This one we're going to read together. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And so, together, let's read this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed the last time. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you're a God who, because of your great mercy, you chose to send your Son. And Father, I pray this morning as, Lord, we just celebrate what's going on in Casey and Barb's sense of your leading them. Father, we thank you for the report of what Matt and what they're seeing, what could happen in Mexico with people that have need. And Father, I believe that beyond those across this room, there are ways that you want to use this body of your believers to your glory. So this morning, as we listen to Peter challenging us to what we have in you, remind us that because we get, we want to give. First in your son's name we pray, amen. Y'all be seated. As Peter's writing to the church, we all know the little story about Peter. I mean, he's a fisherman. Peter's not a preacher. He becomes a preacher, but he starts as a fisherman. And as Jesus calls him to himself, he begins to transform him into a man who's fearless. Now, this is the Peter who denied him. But after the coming of the Holy Spirit and after what Peter does in Jerusalem, one of the things that challenges me about Peter is Peter doesn't choose to stay home. The headquarters of the church became, in the book of Acts, the headquarters of the church was based in Jerusalem. But we begin to follow Peter, and Peter's the one that goes off to the coast. Peter's the one that uh, goes up and witnesses to the Roman community that do not know him. Peter's the one that God speaks to on a roof and says, hey, listen, I want to use you in places and that the Jewish community won't understand. And so instead of Peter staying home and being based in Jerusalem, the head of all that goes on, Peter begins to travel. And as he travels, he begins to discover places where the Jerusalem church 
after it's scattered, after the stoning of Stephen, a lot of them have to leave town. He goes and finds them, and he writes the book of 1 Peter to a group of people that are scared. Life is not easy. In fact, they say those, he names five different states or provinces, areas of present-day Turkey they're living. They say that they're living in caves. Life is not easy. And so he writes to them this letter, this book of 1 Peter. And what's in the book of 1 Peter is, first of all, I think what I want to talk about today is hope. That even when life can be really, really difficult, there's a message that we have that we can cling to, and we can listen to what God wants to bring us in hope. So first of all, in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, he's, Peter just writes to the To these people that are scattered, he said, Blessed be that God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again. According to his great mercy. It's God's mercy that brings us into a relationship with him. It's not our good work. He doesn't say, because you folks are doing the right thing, because you folks are even suffering for his name, because you folks have left everything you had and you You've gone off and living in these difficult places. No, he he begins it with because of God's great mercy over a broken world. You know, some people, when you talk about having hope, I'm I'm guilty of this. Priscilla all the time tells me that uh, John, you you look at things with rose-colored glasses. You're you're not an optim. You're not a realist. You're not a realist. You're an optimist. And so I've been thinking about this for this message because I didn't realize, but optimists are people who, uh, some optimists do really well in Las Vegas because optimism is looking into the future, measuring the odds. And optimists are Looking for a good deal, optimists are kind of trying to measure, is that worth giving it to it, or is now the time to do this? And while optimism is a good thing, it is not hope. Hope, in the Old Testament, there's two words for it. First word, it's a real simple thing, hope just means I'm waiting for. We wait for something. We wait for it expectantly. Doesn't deal with the odds. The second word in Hebrew, not only just waiting for, it's the word cord. And why it's the word cord or string or rope or something that ties it up, the word hope means that that cord is pulled tight before it breaks. And that tension that's on that cord while you're pulling something to yourself, that tension is the word hope. Meaning that we believe that this cord is not going to break. We believe that whatever we're trying to get drawn to us is going to be realized, it's going to become a reality because of our hope in what that is. And so, as Peter says, because of God's mercy, that's what our hope's in. Our hope is in who God is, what He's done, And that's why he says, because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we have hope. It's his mercy, not our work. The second thing 
Peter goes on to say, is not only is it according to his great mercy that he's caused us to be born again, he says we're born again to a living hope. Our hope that we have in what God's done is living and available today. Now, I have an illustration that I hope fits because it, or let's say I expect will fit or I trust will fit because just this morning it happened in our house. You all, this little company, Apple, they're an interesting bunch of people. They're pretty smart because just this morning, Priscilla's trying to get fired up. She's not with me. She's not feeling real well after a whole week gone, and we only have one day in Topeka this week, and then we're going to be off. So she just needed, she's, anyway, she's wanting to get the news this morning. And so she opens up her little iPad, and she starts punching stuff. And she's punching it, and it's not working. And so I said, oh, dear, here's, here's what's happened. You don't have the right, you're, you're not updated. Get your software updated. So she punches around and does the things to download what it is to update her iPad. And guess what starts to blank? Your software, the new software, 10, whatever, runs this one, will not work on your machine. And so she has something that's outdated and not applicable to today. Now, let's go back and just see what Peter says that we have in Jesus. We have a living hope. Now, what Apple does is called uh, obsolescence, intentional obsolescence. So that Apple knows, I don't know what the number is, but whatever this one is, it's newer than hers. This one will take the software. Apple, in their money-making ability, they're saying, oh, that old one, no. That one won't support the new software that we've got out. And so all those ways, those apps that she's got on her machine are going to slowly time out. And you're not going to be able to use them. Now, church family, I want to tell you that from Peter 2,000 years ago, writing to folks that are living in caves, and he says, I want you to know that because of God's great mercy for us, he has given us a living hope. That's a whole lot different than being an optimist who's looking at the odds. We've got something that's alive and available to us right now today, and it doesn't get obsolete. Not only is it living available, he goes on and talks about this inheritance that we have. The third point is that our inheritance exceeds all the other options that we have. He says we've been born again to this living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead, and born again to an inheritance, and look at the four ways that he describes what we have, what we put our hope in, what carries our hope. First of all, our hope is imperishable. Now, the difference with biblical hope is, yes, I'm looking forward to the future, but do you know how I, I have hope for the future? Is I look to the past. I look to what happened right here on the cross. And I believe that the reality of Jesus coming back from the dead is opening a door to a hope that I have for the rest of my eternity. And that I want you to know, every one of us to know, that the message of the Bible is that because God so loved us that he sent, 
That's what the Advent's all about. He's a sender. He's sending his son to come so that those of us that believe in what he's doing, we can have that eternal relationship with God himself. And so, yes, I look forward with hope, but to get hope, I look backwards in time and I see what God's already done and I believe that the resurrection is real. That's what Peter's saying. It's because that this one who was hung on a cross, because of this one who today we lit this candle remembering that God was sending him to come and that we had to have a baby who was born in a remote place, just the way it was prophesied in the Old Testament, that God was keeping his word to bring him here so that then he can grow up and grow in strength, grow in favor with man, grow in favor with God, and then become all that he was, we have hope in what God is up to. So we have hope that is, first of all, imperishable. Death tried to hold it. It couldn't. Our hope is imperishable. Secondly, our hope is undefiled. Now, maybe you could say that iPads get defiled. You know, the money that I, you know, here's what, Apple, they're smart people. You know, I spent enough money to buy, per se, it was a couple of Christmas. Now you probably know how many Christmases ago it was I bought her her iPad. But do you see what's happened in my own life? Here I invest in something. I hope it's going to be around for a while. But now that crazy thing's defiled. I can't use it. You give it another year, that iPad's going to be like the other stuff. It's going to be sitting in some drawer somewhere. It doesn't work. It doesn't do the things I want it to do. But guess what? Our hope is not that way. Our hope is, first of all, living. Our hope is imperishable. Our hope is undefiled. It's going to stay pure. It is going to stay the way God intended it from the when he first started to plant it before the foundation of the earth was laid, and then when he sent his son to prepare him for this, that plan that God has for us has not been corrupted or defiled or changed. Our hope is a living hope. Our hope is a hope that's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfading. This yesterday was Christmas setup day. We Priscilla did a little of it. But last night I had to do my part. And I tell her, you know, you decorate the house, you put all the stuff up, I'll help you where I can. Well, this year she's doing one new creative thing. She's got a, instead of that, what I'm talking about fading, you know that fake looking, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'm going to be kind of cruel. Nope, that's not real. Okay. We've got things that we invest in, and this is a beautiful, Lisa, thank you very much for putting that together. I appreciate it. (laughs) But I do want us to know that five years from now, that won't look that way. What we used to put, the garland that we would put around our banister, guess what? It's not as green as it was. The one that's outside on our mailbox, the sun does something to green plastic. 
it fades away. And we live in a world where it seemed that, I'm back to my planned obsolescence, the things that we have just have shorter and shorter lifespan. But the hope that we have because of God's plan of sending His Son, who we're celebrating, we're expecting His arrival, and all that He's done for us, where He poured His life out for us on the cross, and He came back from the dead, death couldn't hold Him, that what we have in Him is as clear and undefiled today as it was 2,000 years ago. And so as we think about the hope we have in Christmas, as we think about getting ready to celebrate on the 25th, we'll, you know, the 24th, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service here. As we get ready to remember what God's given to us, we get the opportunity of putting our hope into the future that's not going to pass away. It's imperishable. It's undefiled. And it's unfading. That hope that we have in what God has done is something that we can base our lives upon. Finally, as Peter's writing to these people that are struggling, not only is our hope imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and living, but our hope is kept. There's all kinds of experiences where something breaks in and takes away. You can't, you know, we don't get to keep things. But in our relationship with God, I want to assure you and I want to give you the promise that what He has offered to us, He is keeping for us for the rest of eternity. That we get that relationship with Him. And so I said, the way we find hope, instead of looking at our odds, man, maybe this will happen, maybe this won't happen. Man, maybe this is a good deal. Maybe I'll find a better deal. No, our hope starts by looking backwards instead of forwards. Where we look back to see what God has done. Some of us here in this church family can connect with Jesus when he came and started life in a very, very simple and poor way. You know, God in his wisdom sent Jesus to Bethlehem to a place where it says that there wasn't room for them in the end, but they went and found a a stall where cattle were being kept. And Jesus started his life, this one that's bringing us hope, he started his life in poverty. He started his life without having anything, having his parents being on a massive journey. And he his mom and dad don't get to go back home where they're from, they're going to end up going to Egypt because of the problems going on. You realize that he's been ahead of where some of you are right now. Some of you are looking and saying, we just can't get it to add up. We, right now, financially, it's just not working for us. Or there's some of you that may connect to what experienced with Jesus. When on that night when they were praying together before the soldiers are already coming. Their footsteps can be heard on the gravel coming down to find him and take him. 
And he's already saying, you folks are going to abandon me. It's going to get to where Jesus was all by himself. I know there could be a very strong possibility that in a room this size with this many people, some of you walked in those doors today feeling very much alone. Yeah, you could be seeing in this room, but where you came from, what you're going to go to after you're here with his people, you could be going back to a place that feels very, very, very lonely. And I want you to know he's been there. He's ahead of you. You see, that's the hope that we have. We have a hope that any experience we can have, we can look back to see him and what he did for us allows us to realize that our lives can be right beside him. He understands any problem that we brought in here this morning. And he wants you to know that because of his, the Father's great mercy and love for you, he wants you to experience his presence with you, an understanding presence, an understanding spirit that is right there beside you. And so, as Peter wants to remind us today, our hope is living. It's because of God's mercy. But it's living and available. And our hope is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept for us. And so in closing... What's our next step? You know, Peter's a wise man. And later on in that first chapter, he says, with this kind of hope that I've experienced, I want to recommend you to do a couple of things. First of all, I want you to prepare your minds. One of the things that's tempting is when life gets difficult is to pull things in around and kind of pull into your own little cocoon. And what Peter's wanting to say is, no, don't do that. Prepare your minds for reality, for the future, for what you're walking into. Because as we live into the future, we have a hope of what God's already done and what he's promised for us. And we have a hope that can't perish. We have a hope that can't be defiled. We have a hope that can't fade. We have a hope that can be kept for us. And so let's prepare our minds to live that way. And then I want to challenge myself, I want to challenge all of us, is let's set that hope on Him. And so as we start this Christmas season, this first Sunday of the next four that we're going to celebrate the coming of the King, I want to invite you this week to set your hope on Him. Whatever you face, Look, excuse me, look backward. Look and see what he's already done for us because of his great love. <coughs> excuse me. And set your hope on that. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Thanking God for what he's done and what he wants to do. And the model of what I, you know, what's going on 
in this body of Christ here in Emporia, Kansas, with people sensing we've received, God's been so good to bless us, let's be able to give. As we celebrate the Christmas season, as you're thinking about family, as you're thinking about events that you've got, let's begin it by setting our hope on Him who because of the love that he had for us, he came and he gave himself for us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the reality of your great mercy that became more than a thought and an idea and a concept. It became reality when in that alone place where Mary and Joseph were, your son was born. And Father, today we want, to, we want to set our hope on you. You've demonstrated already that the hope we can have is imperishable because the grave couldn't hold him. You've shown us that the hope that we have today is undefiled because he stayed pure and he wants us to discover that in our own lives. And Father, that the hope that we have can be unfading. And Father, sometimes it's so tempting to be carried away and caught up in those voices that come at us that want to tell us that, no, it's not, it's not worth giving your life to. And so, Father, today we want to be your people who thankfully set our hope on you. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Well, church family, I want to ask you to stand. Benediction today is out of Psalm 121. Verses 1, no, verses 3 through 8. And here's what the Lord would have to say to us from David. The Lord will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and forevermore. And so, church, with that kind of hope we have, go be the church.